Hello, this is James Grundig with Decentralized.media here on Beyond the Bible with my co-host Tracy L. White, the author of a couple of books. We have a very special guest, a good friend of hers named Willie A. Norman III. He's going to talk about faith and finances, which I think is very important for people. But first, we got a little action up in New York, where I used to live. I didn't live in Brooklyn, but actually I've been to Brooklyn many, many times. Let's go to the video because we got some action Excuse me. We got some action in uh, the Chabad, which is a Hasidic Jewish temple, I believe, or school or something to that effect. I'm not an expert on it, but let's go. pretty exciting let, let me let me tell you uh you know this is uh not a normal day in brooklyn we've had a crown heights riots 30 years ago in that part of part of brooklyn and now we got something completely different something like on a long long of like what palestine you know these uh, underground tunnels with these his these hasidic jews underneath i mean it's very very interesting and we're gonna get into powerpoint because uh there's a couple things here that are also interesting at least uh, as of last night, 10 were arrested, and it's pretty important to discuss this because we've got to wonder if this is related to anything along the lines of Epstein Island, child sex trafficking, pedophilia, anything along those lines, because why would you be living under the tunnels? And these tunnels were connected, apparently, or were going to be connected between two child bods. So this is Beyond the Bible. We're on episode number 13, Managing Your Mana, Mana from Heaven, with James Grimmick, Tracy L. White, and our featured guest, Willie Norman. And this is what I'm talking about. We have in the bottom right, we have a bloody mattress. What is a bloody mattress doing in a tunnel? They apparently had rooms that looked like something along the lines of dungeons or, or drug bins or whatever. It's not normal. What are holy men, supposedly, quote-unquote, holy men, religious men, doing in a tunnel system this is not we're not in gaza we're not in israel this is brooklyn what is going on we don't know but we got this one gentleman being filmed crawling out of a sewer out, outside apparently evading the police but not the camera so this says hasidic jews seen crawling out of a sewer after nypd's bus chabad tunnel network under new york city pretty interesting tracy do you have any comments about this 
Honestly, I've never heard of the term Hasidic Jew. What does that word Hasidic mean? I mean, uh, they're they're very orthodox. So there's essentially three levels of of, of Jewish religious Jewish people. One is uh -huh. Orthodox, which is Hasidic. Not all are Hasidic, but that's a that's a sect within the Orthodox. Uh, there's another one that's called conservative, which they follow all the traditions, but are, are sort of liberal to a degree. And then there's the Reformed, which are completely liberal Jewish people. That's basically. I had a brother-in-law who's Jewish. Uh, mm -hmm. well, my grandfather, a little Jewish, you know, so, and I had girlfriends in college. So I was, for a Christian white guy going to college and so on and so forth, I eventually learned about Judaism in my 20s, to be, be honest with you. But my grandfather's, mm -hmm. uh, from my mother's so was named Abraham. So I have a little Jewish in mm -hmm. my blood from okay. Northern Europe. That's just a reality of my life. Well, this was surprising to see. I, I, I... That, that's quite crazy. Not crazy because it's in New York, because we know how crazy it is there. But I was surprised. And then when it showed people in there, yeah, that was quite crazy. Yeah, so what what was shocking about that minute and a half video is they were they were upset, obviously, police finding out exposing this potential criminality, right? And it could be off the charts. I can't say what happened there. Obviously, you're, 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 the mattress is now a piece of evidence, right, with blood on it, especially. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to do a thorough investigation, and they might even probably close down an entire thing. But you, you saw the reaction of the people in there throwing yes. around benches and stuff, upset at the police presence, yes. right? But which I tell makes you it what, all the more weirder. Which I mean, makes it, it really weird. It's like, hold it. You're yes. in your own holy house. You have this bizarre tunnel system in the, in the you know, behind the podium i guess where the rabbi would would speak or whatever and you have men staring like what's going looking out like they're like, like they're caught it looks like they're in prison already inside that that tunnel system yeah very strange all right real quick revelation timeline i found this i don't know if tracy's had a chance to look at it but essentially this was done by somebody else but i, I found it interesting the sense that Present church age, judgment seat of Christ, marriage, supper of the Lamb, seven-year tribulation, right? And on one side is three and a half years of the beginning of sorrows, they claim. The other side is the great tribulation and the abomination of desolation. And then on the right, after the tribulation period, we go into a millennium of peace. We go to a final judgment by, by God, and then we go to an eternity. Tracy, and I see the strange thing in the bottom left, raptured church. There is no rapture in Revelation, but yet people continue to use that word. That, that word. Tracy, any, yeah. any observations you make from this? Time? Yeah, I actually, you know, when you sent this to me, I was still getting things together and I didn't have a chance to look at it. So looking at this at first glance, uh, the very first for this timeline, the very first thing that I see where it says present age right here, boom. And then it says rapture of the church already off because it has the great tribulation and all that and the millennium all hap happening after that. But when you go to Matthew 24, yep. the script specifically says immediately following the tribulation, that's when Christ comes. That's when he comes and he gathers his elect. So this is already off just from that alone. So no, I, I, I absolutely don't agree with this timeline. Very good. Thank you. Uh, we're going to our guest, Willie Norman, and this is a photo of Willie and his wife. And Tracy, please read his bio. All righty, my friend Willie. Willie Norman is a man <laughs> of God with a very special call to teach finance literacy to God's people. 
He started his own business in financial services in 1993. As a regional vice president, Willie currently supervises approximately 50 agents. He serves as a financial coach, assisting families with God's economy principles for becoming financially independent and debt-free. He has been featured in Money Magazine on three different occasions. He was also featured in the Kansas City Star, KC Business, and KC Magazine as well for his economic principles. Willie is a service to the community, speaking at universities and devoting himself to building young men into men of leadership, thereby aiding them to build better communities for themselves as he leads by example. Yes. Willie, I love your email. Get woke or stay broke at gmail.com. <laughs> right to the point. Yes, sir. <laughs> right, Tracy, talk about your book. It's coming out soon, right? You're still working on yes. it? Yes, 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 yes. I am still working on this book. It's coming along. I'm receiving revelations from God to get this thing out, hopefully by the end of February. And as yep. it says, these false prophets are already among us. So that's very important to our day and age right now. We have to have good discernment. And this book will definitely help uh, sharpen your discernment for those who are amongst us. Yes. Very good. Tracy, take away the show with uh, Willie, please. Go ahead. So, yes, Willie... First, I wanted to ask you, what led you into God in the first place? How did you have your meeting with God to where you became a man of God? Well, you know, that's a very interesting story. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, going to college. So here's the first thing I will say. Um, mm -hmm. So I did grow up in the church. My grandparents, you know, typical story. My grandparents used to, you know, drag the grandkids to church and we would sit on the first pew and I'd be like, really? I got to sit through this, you know, and, um, you know, it was just an activity, if you will, at that time, uh, really didn't know God, you know, in my youth, uh, one of my mm -hmm. best friends who I grew up with in the, you know, from the fifth grade, um, his, his, his family was a family of God. So I always mm -hmm. had it in my ear. Okay. Yes. Um, I go to college and, you know, I don't know about you guys, but my college days, um, you know, I would not tell my mother about the activities oh. that I participated in and the okay. things that I actually did in college. Um, mm -hmm. But what happened was um, I ran out of money in college and, you know, my I, I contacted my dad and he said, son, uh, it's time for you to move out the nest. You're, I'm going to mm -hmm. send you $50 and that should last you for the rest of the year. So wow. I had to make some decisions on how to finance college. So I joined the military. Uh, mm -hmm. So I went into the army. Um, one reason, one reason only just, you know, extra income, weekend drills, those type of things. But I went into the military not knowing anyone, not knowing the process, the system in the military. Um, it was just it was out of desperation, if you will. Okay. And uh, through that whole journey, um, the remembrance of, you know, my grandparents and what my best friend had told me. You know, I was alone. Uh, so I was mm -hmm. alone and I'm like, okay, how am I get it? How am I gonna get through this journey of boot camp, you know, uh, AIT? How am I gonna get through this journey by myself? I don't know anybody. The drill sergeants mm -hmm. is crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I picked up a Bible and I was just oh. like, you know what? I I need to, I, you know, I, I need to go back, you know, to what I've always heard and let me learn more about God. 
So um, I dedicated my life, um, you know, to the Lord uh, when I was in the military, um, mm -hmm. repented of all the sins that I did. Um, actually went back and apologized to a lot of young ladies that, um, oh, wow. you know, that, um, you know, came in my present. <laughs> um, so. So, so after that, you know, we get done with the military. Now, here's what I have to say. I have to say I, I accepted Christ, um, mm -hmm. but I wasn't necessarily still walking with Christ. Right. If, the, if you understand what I'm saying. I, I so definitely I think, do. You know, I, I think a lot of times people can get salvation, but it's like, what's the next step? And right. I didn't know what the next step was, you know, mm -hmm. so I started to listen to, you know, um, Charles Stanley, I Chuck Swindoll. All, yes. you know, all of these great, great men teachers. of God that were teaching the Bible, you know, so most of my, you know, you know, walk was, uh, it was a slow walk, you know, it was a very mm -hmm. slow walk. And then we rededicated, you know, we got baptized. I got married back in, I think 1998, 1999, I got mm -hmm. married. And, um, again, I'm still not really walking with the Lord and, um, as we started a new church, uh, we started discipleship training one, discipleship training two, and that's where my really my walk started to develop. And okay. in yeah, that process, okay, yeah. So in that process, I wasn't a tither, so I I, I didn't understand the principles of money. Um, so I had oh. poor stewardship. Okay. So, you know, so when I understood, I, I can recall going to a Bible study and we're just really breaking down giving and just understanding it's not even your money, it's God's money. Um, mm -hmm. And then my life changed because I went from not tithing to tithing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you guys remember, and James has a question. Go no, ahead. James. I think it's a very important point for the audience here. Yes. Technically, even though my mom's from a, a very wealthy shipping family and father's a farmer, I was really financially literate in high school. And the church didn't mm -hmm. teach me anything about finances, even mm -hmm. though the Bible talks about it, which I guess is what uh, Willie's going to be talking about shortly between faith and finance in his PowerPoint deck. So I, so when did you learn about finance? Forget tithing for a second, but just being financially literate. Was that in was that high school? Was that in the military? Was that after military? When When was that? Willing. That's a great question. So um, being in corporate America, you know, I still, again, I was, I was doing a lot of stuff wrong, to be quite honest with you. Um, mm -hmm. And I went to a financial seminar as a grown adult. Now, mind you, I go to the seminar and they're talking about financial literacy. And I'm kind of upset because I'm like, okay, why come I wasn't taught this in school? How mm -hmm. come the University of Kansas that I went to, I gave them $40,000 and you didn't teach me simple concepts about money. Um, so I got really, really excited about, you know, learning about it. And then what happened was, James, you know, then, you know, I got into the industry. I, I started reading just a lot, you know, whether it was Dave Ramsey, whether it was Susie Orman. I just got, I just started reading and mm. I was just blown away of the practical information that was out there that I had never been taught. So my whole ministry, if you will, is to teach just the basic principles on how to manage manna. That's just what my passion, what my, 
you know, what my mission is right now. Um, but well, I was just, I was a grown adult. Yeah. yeah, let me let me just say something right quick in case the audience doesn't understand what manna is, because when you told me that you teach people how to manage manna and you also made a statement, you said you save people's lives financially. And I thought that was extremely profound. And I said, well, how do you do that? And you said you teach people how to manage manna. Well, when God brought Israel out of Egypt, he fed them the whole 40 years with manna from heaven, bread from heaven. That is equal to providence. And so when you manage your bread from heaven, when you manage your manna, you learn the principles of God and stewardship. And that is what Willie is talking about, audience, when he said, when he is saying managing manna, managing what God puts in your hand. And that's what's so important. So go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'll do, uh, I'll just kind of, if I can, just real briefly, mm -hmm. just touch on a couple of different things, you know, um, and, and again, what my belief is this, you know, when we look at this, financial services come from being taught and being led by God. Um, I think still today, I think a lot of people, um, they believe, you know, and even even when I, I'll just give you my experiences. I, I do financial planning for Christians. And even with Christians, sometimes I find that even if they are a tither, even if they give 10%, they don't know how to manage the other 90% though. Um, mm. And what happens is when they don't manage the 90%, that's where I see a lot of people getting in trouble because right. it's kind of like one of those things like, okay, I gave you my 10, the 90, I can do whatever I want to do with the 90 without having wisdom, okay, in mm. information that God has released into earth in the form of practical knowledge. So if you don't have knowledge on how to manage the 90 Okay, you're going to mess up the 90. And that's where you find, as you're going to see here in a minute, people getting in debt, you know, I'll kind of talk about those things. But financial strategies and principles, as well as your ability to hear from the Holy Spirit directly as he leads and guides you into crucial decisions, you must make to ensure your financial future. So yes. when we look at this whole thing, and, and again, you stop me whenever you want to, guys. But when we look at this kind of blew me away, you know, mm -hmm. again, through my journey, the correlation on how we handle money and the quality of our spiritual lives is, is very, very important. So there's about 500 verses in the Bible in reference to prayer, fewer than 500 when it comes to faith and more than 2,350 verses on how we handle money and possessions. So why? So why did God talk wow. so much wow. about money? Okay. Well, well wait, wait, Willie, Willie, can we go back to that slide, please? Absolutely. Yeah, because I, I want to talk about these three things. It's very important. Not only for me too. I didn't, re a, a, I didn't realize this. Let's I didn't know about, it either. But let's talk about the difference between prayer and faith. Let's, let's start start with it. Money is a physical thing. It's a, it's a transaction thing. It's ownership. It's bread, mm -hmm. as you said, right? The manna. But let's talk about the difference between prayer and faith. So, you know, uh, prayer is your conversation, your relationship with the Lord. You know, um, when it comes to money, um, I personally believe that every decision that is made on the other 90, we should go to prayer on. So, mm -hmm. because a lot of times, we won't seek wise counsel uh -huh. on how to handle or make buying decisions. 
We don't seek wise counsel on that. Um, I think that we we fall into the bribe, if you will. And, and the bribe is um, being unhappy, unsettled with life. So we make decisions when it comes to money and possessions based off of our personal emotional feelings, if you will. Mm -hmm. yep. So yep. I just simply believe that when you look at finances, prayer has to be like, number one, it has to be in there. Uh, when you look at faith, I think that you... You know, if you go to God and, and you have the ability to listen um, and make decisions on that, um, mm -hmm. I just I just believe that, you know, if you are faithful in little, okay, he'll bless mm -hmm. you with more. That's just what my personal belief is. And you know, of course, faith principle. is the unseen, um, you know, so as I pray, you know, or somebody prays for more abundance, well, you don't necessarily see it, but they have the faith. You know, and they they got the obedience, the discipline that, you know, that thing will come true. So. Very true, because the Bible says that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Money we can That's see. True. Faith is the evidence that it's going to do what we're entrusting God to do with it. So that faith comes right along with that trust and prayer. And, and prayer, prayer, prayer grounds the individual. Uh, makes them humble to it to a degree, and actually takes yeah. the emotion out, as you said, Willie. And it brings clarity. If you take the emotion out, it does bring clarity, and it grounds you in a humble way, does it not? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. So when we look at this, guys, you know, why did Jesus talk so much about money? I just, I just know again from experience that money can compete for God for first place in our lives. So when we look at that, you know, God talked a lot against idols. Um, mm -hmm. He even called money a, a master. He understood yeah. that either money, either you're going to master money or money is going to master you. And he mm -hmm. understood that. And in today's society, my personal belief is because, you know, media, environment, we are made to believe that success is possessions, you know, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's yeah. your car, whether it's your house, whether it's your dress. And we will put more trust in things right. than we do in God, in our spiritual lives. So he understood yeah. that, you know, I think that when we take a look at, it, you know, the second thing, you know, it can really impact our fellowship. You know, mm -hmm. um, when I when I wasn't a tither, let me let me just tell y'all what happened. Okay. So I'm an old guy. So I'm like 57 years old. So I'm an old guy. Okay. You know, if you will. Um, <laughs> but man, there was a thing back in my day called Murphy's Law. What could go wrong would go wrong. 1980s. <laughs> I remember it well. <laughs> so when I tell you that. You know, my my lack of discipline and obedience, mm -hmm. everything was going wrong financially in my life. And I was just like, why does this happen? Why is this? Why? The car done broke down again. I had holes in my bags, you know. And, you know, once I became a, obedient, then I th think tithing is like an insurance 
an insurance policy over your possessions. So when I started doing that, I visibly started to see things change financially as I'm walking with the Lord, as I'm developing my relationship, as I'm starting to be obedient, as I'm starting to fellowship, all of those things really started to impact my relationship with my wife, just, you know, in general with, with God, yes. you know, so yes. very, very important, you know, because I personally think guys that, you know, if you look at the, the divorce rate in America right now, um, I've sat across the kitchen table with spouses that literally in front of me, the argument was about money. The, dis yeah. the discussion about divorce really had to do with money. That was yes. an underlining factor that was going on in many households across America. So I think right. it can also play a large part in, you know, result, you know, um, you know, revolves around the use of money, you know, so yeah. that's, Definitely. you know, just three reasons why, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and I'll just, I'll just make a point right quick that Matthew six twenty four audience, just so you know, that is the verse where God says you can't serve two masters. You either love one and hate the other or cleave to one and despise the other. And then he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the God, that spirit behind money. It's the spirit because the Bible doesn't say money is bad. It says the love of money is, is, is the cause of all evil, not money itself. So mammon is that spirit that drives that. And that Matthew 25 verse is where God is talking about if you're faithful of a few, then you know you'll be a ruler over many. So that's just to give you guys context for those verses. You can go look them up, of course, but I just want to give you that right there. Go ahead, Willie. And, and, and you know what, Tracy, in 2008, uh, when we had the financial meltdown, I literally saw people that really their God was their house, um, their yeah. possessions. I saw people lose everything in 2008. Yeah. And some you know? people committed suicide behind losing their possessions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the reasons, you know, we have to, again, be mindful. Um, I, I just think debt itself um, is mm -hmm. a form of bondage. Um, yeah. I think debt itself. I think it leveraged people, um, yes, you know, does. so I believe that, you know, again, when you're watching the commercial and you see a Honda commercial and you're like, man, you start to think about, you know, hey, what would people think about me? You know, if I got this brand new car, you know, how would I feel if I got this brand new car? All of the brands, all, all of the stuff that we see on TV yeah, we will sometimes people will literally go out based off of emotions because no relationship, they will go out there and leverage themselves on debt. Yes. You know, yeah. so when I, yeah, so when I when I understood this, and because I'm not a big fan of banks, I'll show you this here in a second. But you know, I, I just see the rich rule over the poor, and the poor the the borrower becomes a the lender's slave. So in my practice. I actually see this yes, because yes. people have so much, you know, debt right now. The average person has about $96,000 in consumer debt. You know, after the pandemic, um, credit card debt is back to all time highs, like 31 trillion, you yep. know, so yep. we go out there and we, we, we got to go to work. Okay. To pay our debt is really what we have to do. And then a lot of yeah. times people will say, well, Willie, I can't give, I can't do anything because I got too much debt. So I just think it's a, I think it's slavery. It's what yeah. I think it is. It, it is. 
In yeah, fact, I, I call it the Babylonian money system, and we and it's got to be destroyed. That's exactly what it is. Yes, because yeah, you yeah, made a statement, yeah. Willie, when we talked before. You said you believe that Visa, Master, and all these credit cards are no different than crack being filtered into the community. That's what you said. Not like you're right on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And crazy thing, when I was in college, now mind you, I went to high school, no type of financial education at all. Went to college, mm -hmm. no financial education at all. Mm -hmm. But but there's credit card applications in my enrollment line. Mm -hmm. So I got hooked, not on crack. I got <laughs> hooked on credit. That plastic so, crack. <laughs> yeah, that plastic crack. You know, <laughs> that a lot of of our students, like Real Talk, have actually mm -hmm. took their lives because of the embarrassment to their family because the accumulation of credit card debt while they were in college. Yes. I call that a curse all day it long. Is. And I see it taking out communities, especially the African-American community. You know, especially. and again, my whole goal is, I'm kind of like Dave Ramsey on steroids because I'm gonna show people you know, first of all, how it works, but how to get free of it. So here's what I believe. I think the banks, I think investment firms, I think I think that's the rich. I think they rule over, over the poor. Banks mm -hmm. that have record profit years and they will continue to, okay? Mm -hmm. Because they, when they lend money and whether it's a credit card, whether it's a bank, doesn't matter, okay? They really don't expect people to make the full payment. They really don't expect you to pay it on time. They really mm -hmm. don't do that. So they're, so so the results of that's going to be high interest. And most people, to be honest with you, they don't even look at their credit card. They don't understand prime rate. They don't even look at the interest that they're paying over years of time of years of bondage. You know the late payment uh, uh, penalties. Whether it's mm -hmm. the overdraft fees, missed payments, higher APRs, you know. So one of the things that we I got excited about is just teaching people. Really, when you start to look at debt, you really got to look at what's to call the total cost. What is this going to cost me? What is the total cost? Is this mm -hmm. a want? Is this a, is this a need? And really, I started you know teaching folks um, really how to start reading their credit cards. Most people don't know there's actually six different ways to calculate okay, your interest and your payment. Mm -hmm. Banks, insurance company, and all six middle-income Americans don't know any. Mm -hmm. So again, I just want to help people understand that. So I just want to kind of briefly hit on, okay, 11 steps to getting out of debt. First thing James said earlier, praying about it. Pray for the Lord. Okay? Yes. Write it down, man. We will spend, Americans will spend more time planning a vacation mm -hmm. than they do their personal finances. Mm -hmm. Write it down, write down the budget so you can see yeah. what's coming in, what's going out. List everything that you owe. This could be very, very painful for people to do it. But if you want to get to a point one day when you owe no man, no money, Right. Like the Bible says, owe no man money. Yes. Owe no man, no money. Real scripture, people. <laughs> So these are just some things that I believe that you have to do. I think that yeah. you got to list. I think that you got to list everything that you owe, who you owe, the amount you owe, the interest rate. And, mm -hmm. and if I could speak to the audience, just start looking at the interest that you spent over time. Real quick story. One of my clients here recently, 
does very well. But mm -hmm. one of his, the interest on his credit card was over $253 a month. Wow. And I said, do you realize you're paying over $3,000 a year and just interest? But wow. yet we don't have enough in your money market account. And that was an aha form. And he was just like, wow, I just, I really never looked at it. And, and that's just the point I'm trying to make here. We have to look at it. We have to look at these things, you know, yeah. if we want to get free from bondage. Yeah. So, the, you know, and I'm just going to hit these and Tracy, you stop me wherever you want to stop me. But mm -hmm. in that same conversation where we get in trouble, in my personal opinion, is we don't have a rainy day fund. We don't have that emergency fund. Here's what mm -hmm. I always tell my clients, because everyone's looking for a guarantee. Here's my guarantee. My guarantee is you got an emergency coming. A storm uh -huh. is coming. Yep. Yeah. We just don't know when the storm going to hit, but the <laughs> storm is, is coming. Yeah. You know, so I, I get people to understand like, well, I, hey, it's coming. I don't know when it's going to come, but we have to be we have to have wisdom mm -hmm. to be prepared for the storm. Yes. I think that we have to stop borrowing money to get out of debt. So I again, I just think these are things out here. Now, if you got to get a consolidation loan because you just messed up. I get that. But mm -hmm. when it becomes revolving, that simply means that you consolidate, you pay it off, and then you're back in debt again, and you can consolidate again. So <laughs> that means- Guess that what they call that? Guess what they call that? Borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. You know, so I just tell people to be careful of that. Home equity mm -hmm. loans, establish what we call a debt repayment schedule, pay off small debts, high interest debts. Um, even consider earning some additional income. So that may mean that you may have to go get a part-time job just to get out of bondage, okay, and to get debt-free for a period, just for a season, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about forever, but just for a season. And then yeah. control your use of credit cards. You know, yeah. it simply means either massive visa Either they're going to be your master, either they're going to own you, or you're going to be able to control them. Keep your, 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 how you use it definitely below 30%. Um, mm -hmm. But again, simple things like paying before the due date, um, simple things like that, you know, uh, paying more than once in a month, you know, um, things like that. Control the use. And, and, and again, um, I think, and this is just my personal opinion, the world, created credit cards yeah. it got americans away from actually using currency um so what happens is there's no psychological pain when you use cards there's there's no emotion tied to it because logically the consumer is like well i got the money it's in the bank blah 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 but i can't tell you how many people i've sat down with and said we just don't know where the money has gone, Mr. Norman. And that's mm -hmm. because people are swiping themselves to death. Versus if you carry a large bill and you have a urge to grab a cup of coffee or whatever. Well, now you're thinking. Now you're thinking. Yeah, you're thinking. And now you're starting to make some decisions. You're mm -hmm. still like, you know what? Do I need to break this $100 bill to get a $8 cup of coffee. So there's a chemical that's released in our brain 
that helps us start to make decisions when it comes to buying those type of things that I just go home and I just grab a cup of coffee, you know, so just control it. Be content. I think this is a big one. I think for Christians um, that we have to be content with the Lord. Um, I think that he does give you desires of your heart, but I think you yes. have to, again, I think you have to go to prayer for that. You know, um, I'm praying right now for a new building. I'm like, Lord, guide my steps. Okay. Yeah. Get me in the right place, you know, versus making a knee jerk decision on, you know, something I like, you know? Um, right. So again, I think you have to be content. And if he says not now, then not now. You know, right. he has something better for me. I, I'm, I'm just a firm believer in that. And just don't and we, give up. Just, yeah, just yeah. To, to piggyback off that, we in the Black community, and, and you'll know this, we have what you call keeping up with the Joneses. You know, in the other communities, they might call that keeping up with the Kardashians. But keeping up with the Joneses, we got to get what everybody else gets, especially in the church community. We want to be the best dressed because somebody else is out dressing us. So we got to go buy new outfits. And when you don't have that tangible currency in your hand, yeah, it's way easier just to swipe a card because that 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 like you said, that thinking part isn't there because you could just swipe it. And it's like, oh, I got it in the bank. It'll get taken care of. But when you got to release dollars out of your hand, you begin to think about that because you worked hard for it, you know? So that Absolutely. is a great point. So yeah, being content yeah. is a really good thing. Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny because I've sat down with people and I'm like, well, what made you buy that car? And it was like, I just, I went to the dealership and they, and they just, they started to sweet talk me. And all of a sudden I, 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 I drove out of there with a brand new car, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they honestly didn't give it thought, but again, you know, it's kind of like what you just said, you yeah. know, I understood again. I, here's what I think. I think the world has tricked us. Uh, I, I, I think our adversary has tricked us to believe that success, again, is material stuff. Correct. You know, um, that's what I believe. And we yeah. just got to be aware of that. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I'll talk about is just really just kind of saving money, making a provision you know, savings making a provision for tomorrow. Um, it's the opposite of debt. And mm -hmm. uh, I like to use what I call a 10, 10, you know, 80 principle. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, a lot of times um, when we don't manage that other 90, we, we, we fall in trouble. So, you know, yeah. in my counseling, you know, because I do talk to a lot of Christians mm -hmm. and, I do, when I talk to Christians, you know, not understanding, you know, uh, the first fruits, um, not understanding that they, they need to, to give and tithe off gross income um, because God wants your best. He wants your first. Um, and That's so many Christians thought. that I sit down with, they, they're like, I get what their income is, Tracy. I'm like, okay, cool. What you make? And let's just say hypothetically it's 4,000 a month. Okay. Is there mm -hmm. gross income? And I like you're tied in $50 a month. Okay. I, I thought you said you knew the Lord. I mean, I, I don't understand, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, so when we look at that, I think, you know, uh, God is actually concerned with the quality, uh, the quantity of our giving. He wants the best. He wants the first, he wants the 10, you know? So if you look at a dollar, we're talking about 10 cent out of a dollar. Is that really what we're talking about? You know, um, 
And then people will tell me that, well, Willie, I got to I got to get debt free first. You just talked about debt. I got to get debt free. I'm like, so you rather. So what you're saying is, you know, you're going to give man your money versus God your money. Man is more important. Your debt is more important, you know, than giving the Lord his first, you know. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's extremely important. Again, principles. And again, I did not know these principles. Um, I was not taught these principles, but once I learned the principles, you Mm -hmm. know, we we just, when we became obedient and faithful, our finances changed dramatically. Um, You know, um, it really has. And, you know, the tie should not be the ceiling. It should, you know, really be the floor where it starts. So why? Again, I just mentioned it, you know, um, obedience and love. I just think it demonstrates um, our love, um, being grateful. Um, you know, I live in a decent home, but mm-hmm. I'm grateful, um, yeah. because gratitude. I understand that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gratitude. It, it, it's not me. And I think a lot of times, again, you know, people can get caught up thinking that it's them, um, and not God. So I don't know. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. Giving of our tithes and offering is simply worship. You know, how do you worship your Lord, you know, with your first, your best, you know, is kind of what, you know, I would consider people to do. So, you know, so, so that's that. Um, The next thing we kind of look at, I I thought this was pretty cool when I, when I recognized this many years ago by Billy Graham, he said that your checkbook is a theological document. It tells you who and what you worship. So when I went back to look at my checkbook, I was just like, dang. I ain't giving nobody nothing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, when you look at my checkbook, you know, I'm I'm just super proud, you know, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, now it's, it's totally different. But I remember this many years ago, and that's why I put it in my PowerPoint, because I went back, I looked at my checkbook. I was like, dang, I ain't giving to the church. I ain't, I ain't giving to the needy. I, man, mm-hmm. OK, you know, so. Yeah. So, um, so I, so I think, you know, when you look at that last section, again, that's where, you know, handling money impacts our fellowship. And then when he talked about the last thing, you know, number three is, um, uh, what was number three? A large part of our life re- re- revolves around the use of money. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. right now, um, a lot of Americans are in trouble. Um, again, if you look at, you know, the average about 25% of Americans right now have less than $10,000 in retirement assets. Um, over 69% of Americans have less than $1,000 in an emergency fund. Um, so when we when we look at, you know, our lives, a lot of this revolves, um, in my personal opinion, um, around planning for the future. Now, I'm a firm believer. I don't know about you guys. You guys are scholar. You guys are scholars, Bible scholars. Um, I can't find retirement in the Bible. Okay. I'm just, I'm just, I ain't found it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I get my clients to understand, retirement is being in a position financially where you don't have to labor for wages. Okay. So when you mm-hmm. see somebody at Walmart, they're 65 years old. Yeah. You know, I often if you could have a conversation with that person, what would you have done differently? 
And nine out of 10 times people like if I had more education about how to manage money. Correct. Um, yes. So it, it's, it's being in position, again, yeah. where you don't have to be mistreated as yes. a senior yes. in the labor pool is really yes. what I believe. Okay. Because that's sad. Yeah. You know, um, old and still be slaving away when you should be able to take your ease and rest and enjoy your grandchildren because you worked your whole life, but yet you got to be a greeter at Walmart because that's where they yeah. put them, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, sad. Yeah. And I, and I think it can interrupt whatever your calling is on this earth to do um, because I think it just, it, it puts you in a, in a, in a, a different season of your life, you mm -hmm. know, and that season you know, it shouldn't be trying to make ends meet, you know, um, you know, right. so, you know, but that yeah. is, you know, empowering your children, you know, um, you know, leaving a legacy for your children's children. Well, what does that mean? I, I'm For me, I was like, man, what does that mean? That means that, wealth. Like, huh? Generational wealth. Yeah. Generational wealth. So, what, what that meant for, you know, us, I was like, you know what, I have to, you know, prepare, I have to put away, not for me. Scripture says, leave for your children's children. So, mm -hmm. so I have a grandson, he's three years old. And that's what my thought is. My thought yeah. is I got to make sure that I prepare for him. And yes. because of selfishness, um, I think a lot of times Christians, because I can't tell you how many Christians I don't talk to guys that mm -hmm. I, that I've had a conversation with that mm -hmm. had no savings, no mm -hmm. life insurance, or mm -hmm. if they had savings, here's what they told. Me. What they said, <laughs> they said the heck with my children, the heck mm -hmm. with my grandchildren. I'm mm -hmm. going to spend everything. I had wow. to work hard for my money and the mm -hmm. heck with them. I'm like, dang, yeah. man, what Bible are you? What 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 edition is this you're reading out of? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, I think we have to put away, we have to become, I think there's, I, and I think, you know, a lot of people are afraid of investing because of a lack of knowledge. Knowledge. Yeah. So when there's a, a lack of knowledge, people will perish. You know, so yeah. I just think I think there's two economic systems. I think there's God's economic system and mm -hmm. I think it's the world's economic system. Yes. And I think uh, so many system. people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. many people are in, in the world's economic system, not thinking about their children, their grandchildren, even taking care of their parents. Mm -hmm. We're in the process of thinking we're praying about it, about, you know, getting a new home, but we have older parents, you know, our mm -hmm. parents, uh, me and my wife's parents are 80 years old. And our first thought is we have to take us out of the equation and I have to prepare to make sure that our parents will be okay. Sure. So we're yeah. thinking about things where it's just like, okay, do we build an additional house to accommodate our parents, um, because again, you know, long-term care, you know, private nursing, all of that stuff is very, very expensive. 
Um, yeah. And do we just want to be in position to do that? You know, leaving a legacy, um, mm-hmm. you know, again, money into ministry and maybe even starting a business, you know? So last yeah. thing that I'll share with you guys and, you know, we'll open it up for whatever questions. Hopefully I gave some value, uh, but a good man leaves yeah. an inheritance to his children's children and houses, wealth, um, or inherited from parents. This is a time of awareness, accumulation, mm-hmm. um, and transfer. So our whole yeah. ministry is just making people aware. Um, and I think, you know, we've been doing this for 31 years. We've been helping people for 31 years. And, yeah. you know, what I've learned is people have enough common sense mm-hmm. what to do with their money. Would you please give me the correct information um, that I can do that? And what when when the church doesn't have a system, personal opinion, to educate they flock, they send them out to the wolves and the wolves get them. Yeah. Because the financial services industry can be a very corrupt industry. Okay. Yeah. Just based off of greed and 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 advisors taking advantage of people, you know. Yeah. So people have to have basic principles on really how money works. Um, uh, and that's what we've done, you know. So yeah. That's so, good. Thank yeah, you, so. Willie. Can you uh, get out of the uh, PowerPoint now? So yes, the, absolutely. Yes, thank you. Yes, that's very important. Um, because in our community, sad to say, we do mishandle money. One of the things you told me was that when you were in the church, you realized there was no guidance, there was no teachings on it, and you also realized that most of the church at large is hurting financially. And so this this is why I wanted Willie to come on here, guys, because this is so extremely important. A lot of people, their money is a sacred cow to them. I remember one statement you made to me, Willie, you said you're a very friendly guy and you like making friends. And so you go in people's homes, you know, you're all friendly. And you said that God told you, I did not send you in there to become friends. I sent you in there to disturb their behavior so they'll change their ways about money. And so he sent you in as a disturber. So yeah. We, we have to make these changes, especially in the body of Christ, because we're the stewards of God's money. What do you think about that, James? I think it's great, Tracy, and you're right. Um, so w- Willie's company, we've been doing this for 31 years. That takes us back to 1993. 1994 is when the World Wide Web, the Internet, basically came online commercially worldwide. So there wasn't any courses back in the mid-90s about any of this, right? right. There's, there, but there's no excuse in 2024 not right. for people not to go educate themselves on both faith and in God and in Christianity, as well as on on learning finance. You can do it. Yes. You don't have to finance. do it at a oh, startup yes, corporate level, but you can certainly there's got to be plenty of that out there to learn self-finance. Now, Willie, the importance of tithing. The problem I have is what churches do we trust? that closed mm-hmm. down during the COVID lockdowns in order to keep their tax st- status? Do we trust, do we blindly trust a church in which to give our 10% to God? Do we trust the management of those churches? How does one discern that? You know, James, that's a great question. I, and I think it's real simple. I tie to God. I don't tie to man. It is, it is whatever, whatever the church does and the leadership does, that ain't has absolutely nothing to do with me. 
Okay. okay. They got to go. They got to go answer to the Lord on that. I did what I was supposed to do, you know? So I, I think, you know, again, psychologically, you know, I think it could be an excuse because, you know, folks will be like, well, you know what? I, you know, I've heard, you know, I don't want to go finance the pastor's new car, you know, so I'm not going to give. Nah, you're being selfish. Okay. <laughs> um, so for me, it, I, it has nothing to do with me. I understand you know, that. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in on that. Um, God, when God talks about being a good steward, um, it does talking about sowing into good ground. Now, I understand what Willie is saying, because sometimes even when you give to what you consider to be good ground, you did your research, you vetted this church, you have a relationship with these people. Um, but then who's to say that they don't do what they're supposed to do with the money? You know what I'm saying? And so that's where your faith comes in. You were talking about faith and finances and prayer and faith. That's where your faith comes in, where you got to trust that God honored your heart and what you did in your giving, but you do want to do your due diligence far as giving into good soil for your yield, for your return. So, yeah. And, and another thing I'll say even to that, Tracy, in my church, they give out a, a annual report every year. Mm -hmm. So they give out an annual report of money that's come in and mm -hmm. money that's went out and they mm -hmm. give you a, a itemized where all the money is going. Yes. What's going to this? What's going to missionaries? What's going here? What's going yes. here? So I would say that if that's a concern, you know, you should find, you know, a church that's going to be transparent that's right. in how they handle the offering, offering, you know, the tithes and offerings. Yes. How they're managing that manna. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Absolutely. Yes. Very, very good. I really enjoyed this uh, entire program. We got about two minutes left. Willie, please close out any direction you want. Go ahead. Well, you know, for the audience, James, first of all, James, I, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I want to say thank Tracy, um, just giving me an opportunity um, to just share. You know, um, I think, again, a lot of times uh, when we get knowledge, um, we don't share the knowledge. Uh, we don't yeah. share with our neighbors. We don't share it with our loved ones. So my whole thing today, you know, as I even pray, you know, been praying for it since Tracy, like, would you get on my show? <laughs> like, oh, okay. Uh, get on James show. Um, you know, I, I sent my, I had a simple prayer. My prayer is that whoever is listening, the audience that I've said something that could help them. Um, yeah. I think Tracy had put my information down. Um, they can reach out to me and, you know, we're going to treat them like family. Most of my clients are my friends. Um, mm -hmm. We've led over a dozen people, you know, to, you know, to Christ um, mm -hmm. through the ministry of helping them with their money. Because if I, if I can, if I can get you to trust me with your money, okay, mm -hmm. then we can talk about some internal insurance. Okay. Yes, um, it's really what we can really kind of talk about. Um, so good. we've been blessed to do that. So again, wow. I'm honored um, to be on for your guests. And again, uh, much, much thanks, much gratitude to both of you. Willie, we'll bring you welcome. on in the uh, in the spring at some point because I think tithing and Easter kind of sort of go together. And I I, I think people need, need to understand that a little, little further. But I really appreciate your time. Uh, I will yeah. prepare for that next time. I will go out and get verses from the Bible that focus really on giving to God because, it's, you know, God requires us to love God, right? Yeah. As Tracy yeah. says, well, Show our appreciation. I don't think enough of us, including myself, don't show our appreciation enough. And there are different ways to do that. So I think that next show could be 
Very interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate Great. it. All right, people, don't be shy. You can email Willie at what? Get woke or stay broke at gmail.com. Thank you very much, everybody. Tracy, great to see you. We have yes. a returning guest, Charles Williams, on Thursday night. People, it's going to be an exciting show. Have a great night. Thank you. God bless. Thank you.